So that's why I think that we ought to be able to take the first five episodes of any given Saturday morning cartoon and call it one movie. Okay, yeah, I can kind of see your point. I mean, it worked with the Turtles. It worked for the Turtles. It worked for the Pirates of Darkwater. Thundercats. Thundercats, He-Man, the Pirates of Mumesa, or the pa- yeah. Pirates of Mumesa, Cowboys of Mumesa. Yeah, Cowboys of Mumesa. Oh, oh hey, Darren. Hey, Darren. Hey. 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 Um, what's, uh, what are you guys doing here? Oh, nothing. Just, you, you know, doing what we do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool. Discussing what's happening next with the podcast oh how, yeah all right yeah, yeah just kind of you know spitballing some ideas gotcha gotcha all right well don't let me don't let me get in your way oh no 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 you're fine have, have a seat have a seat yeah no i think i think we'd actually kind of come to some conclusions there we we might yeah. even have some some new fun directions to take uh 2024 into okay yeah hey uh by the way guys uh why why are the microphones here oh oh we'll we'll get to that in a in, in a little oh, bit yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, hey by the way now that you're here yeah. Uh, you want to watch a movie, Darren? Yeah, sure. Oh, wait. No. 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 He already said yes. Get him! Ah! So, guys, what did you think of Patton? Darren, when'd you get here? I gave him a key. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is a very well-made movie that is superbly acted by its main character. That is, I think, two things. One, mistakenly called a war movie. It is not. It It's a biopic. Yeah. I, I think that it is a wartime biopic mm-hmm. and would just as easily work as a one-man show, considering that there are all of three character actors that we spend any time with yeah. that being Patton Bradley and Steiger, the guy who's like almost having himself a fetish of researching and learning about uh-huh. Patton. Uh, and I think that it was a very, mm, that this is me being a little bit cynic. Cynical. Yes. Okay. It is a very well-timed release of a military ethic movie right at the height of the Vietnam War. Justin, what did you think? I agree with Chad with the addition of I don't ever really want to watch it again. Well, let's give everyone a bit of backstory here. Uh, so, by, by the way, welcome to a special edition of You Want Me to Watch What? Yeah, I was getting there. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to say the title. No, no, now it's, you it's, it's, it's your guys' thing, yes. Now, uh... So last year, we uh, had one of uh, a special prize for our Extra Life campaign for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Anyone who donated $250 or more would get to decide a movie for not just Chad and Justin to watch, but the Trace Amigos, uh, because they wanted me to suffer as well. And yeah, so here I, we are. I think the conversation went, you know... Yeah. <laughs> Part of Darren played by Justin. You know, if somebody donates X amount, we could do this. Justin chimes in. Do it, coward. Darren, fine, I will. One three-hour movie later, here we are. And scene. Two hours and 51 minutes. Two hours. One donation and two hundred and two two hours, 51 minutes later. Here so, we are. Dollar per minute. So. <laughs> that's that's the... That's the <laughs> That's the that's 
that's the caveat next year. It's like what you donate, that's how long the movie can be. <laughs> so I don't know if I have it in me, man. So uh yeah, as Chad mentioned. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, somebody's like, Hey, here's three hundred and sixty dollars. I want you to watch Lonesome Dove. <laughs> as Chad mentioned, Patton. Uh, was the movie that our donor chose, 1970 American epic biographical war film starring George C. Scott as uh, General George S. Patton. So it was pretty easy for him to keep in character. Just someone says George. My. Uh, also, Carl Malden as General Omar Bradley, directed by Franklin Schaffner. Stripped was by Francis Ford Coppola and Edmund H. North. And I got uh, just a little bit sleepy, but I was able to sit through the whole thing. So... Um, yeah, being being a guest host here, I'm not really sure who should lead the discussion. But since it's your show, it shouldn't be me. So well, I, here, uh, Chad and I talked about this. Okay. In the in the, in the intermission, and oh, yes, God. the movie has an intermission. It Darren, does. Darren, mm-hmm. why don't you give us the synopsis of yeah. the movie? Mm-hmm. You can use Wikipedia. I am going we, to. We all do. I mean, we. Look, these guys can vouch for me. I watched the whole thing. He did. He sat there right there with us. I watched and I made little needling comments throughout the whole thing. So, um, you know, MST3K, that we're from that generation. Yeah. So, since we know you don't listen to the show, here's I how I do it works. listen to the. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to edit all, out all the. <gasps> so. <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, you're right. You do. You do, you do most of the. So you're going to read, you're going to recap the movie. Okay. And then we will discuss it. Okay. All right. All right. So. (laughs) (laughs) So General. I'm just here, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So General George S. Patton starts the film uh, by addressing an unseen audience of American troops. It's the one scene that everyone knows. It's the one scene that's been parodied by so many other people. Giant American flag, 48 stars on it. Yes, I counted. Uh, you know, <laughs> emphasizing the importance Americans place upon winning and all that stuff, as well as his own demands that the uh, his men, you know, kick their asses, punch them in the gut, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, in, then we jump into his first encounter with German Africa Corps at uh, the Battle of Kasserine Pass. And uh, we saw some uh, animals die. And I'm pretty sure that, that wasn't those weren't stunt animals. Um, then the uh, Second Corps was defeated by General Erwin Rommel. Rommel being one of the early antagonists in the film, whom Patton places in pretty high regard as a, as a rival. He's even reading the guy's books. You know, he's... Uh, studying up on him and that's kind of a a repeating thing where he reads up on on his enemies and he reads the art of war yada 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 uh Patton also identifies the stubbornness of his british counterpart general bernard montgomery with the very stereotypical uh, british accent who is constantly undermining uh, undermining american forces to hog the glory and undermining too yeah, i was gonna say i like undermining he's just gesturing wildly on the side of the road you know and uh, both Patton and Montgomery seem to be in a giant penis measuring contest about who gets the most glory uh, during World War II. Uh, Patton's chance to prove his worth comes to the Battle of El Guatar, where Patton defeats the Germans. Eventually, allied, the Allied uh, armies beat uh, the Germans right out of North Africa, and uh, they end up with competing plans for the Allied invasion of Sicily with Montgomery 
just wonderfully detailing his plan by breathing on a mirror in the first person view in the bathroom of uh, command. It's just straight up. And then, you know, using a finger to We're have to edit that out. Yeah. We, yeah. Patton's plan. Somebody's going to just cut that and put it in the that channel that you don't let us talk about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Patton's plan draws from uh, the Peloponnesian War, uh, highlighting the strategic importance of Syracuse, but uh, Montgomery decides to go in a different direction. They, they end up going with Montgomery because Patton just tends to like make problems for President Eisenhower back home, usually by saying stupid things to the press, or maybe not necessarily stupid things, but overly blunt things to the press. Uh, We're he, all thinking it. Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> His blunt aggression... Uh, sits poorly with his subordinates during a visit to a field hospital. Patton notices a soldier crying out of shell shock, a very real condition. Uh, but Patton decides he's just a coward, slaps him on the helmet, realizes that's not, you know, going to be uh, adequate enough, slaps the helmet off the kid, and then orders that he be taken to the front, either to be shot or to die, but one way or another, get this yellow belly out of the hospital. Well, that gets back to the States. Patton is ordered to make an apology. And uh, finds out that Bradley is given command of American forces preparing for the invasion of France. And, uh, you know, we're just going to skip down a little bit because this is a long movie. But eventually, the good guys win. You know, <laughs> the bad guys lose. Although Patton uh, compares American politics to Nazism some 80 years before it would happen again. And uh, though he is fired multiple times... Uh, Patton is kept on to see the rebuilding of Germany. Final scene has him walking uh, Willie, his bull terrier, a dog that I was pretty sure was going to maul another dog in the film because we'd seen so many instances of bad things happening to animals. Uh, but no, that's not the case. Turns out Willie was a giant coward. And uh, the last line is pretty, um, you know, pretty poignant, you know, uh, as he's talking about when uh, Roman conquerors would return from battle uh, there was the practice of the conqueror riding in a triumphal chariot, dazed prisoners walking in chains before him, and a slave behind the conqueror holding a crown and whispering in his ear that all glory is fleeting. And it took me five minutes to sum up a, a movie that felt really close to three hours. So, gentlemen, there's your summary, more or less, for those who missed it after having just walked out of it. What do you think of Patton? Long-form edition. So... George C. Scott nails the character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, he did good. But the thing is, is we reached the point somewhere about a third of the way in the movie where you can't separate the actor and the character anymore. It's sort of like, I think I know why this guy was chosen to be Scrooge. <laughs> yeah. And I think I know where his portrayal of the guy from Dr. Strangelove came from. <laughs> You know, um, I I believe I heard on an interview once that with one of like Patton's grandchildren or great whatever, actually had a recording of Patton talking, and his voice is nothing like George C. Scott's. It's a, it's actually kind of quiet and up here. Now, granted, this was in right. Patton's later later days, but still, it's an interesting juxtaposition that. Yeah, George C. Scott comes across as like a dollar store J. Jonah Jameson uh, at times. I keep <laughs> or waiting is for J. him. J. To- Jonah Jameson, a dollar store 
<laughs> I just keep waiting for him to ask for photos of Spider-Man, and it never happened. <laughs> George C. Scott is J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, I'd watch it out of curiosity. I mean, it, yeah. yeah. Hmm. The I'd stream it for free. There wasn't quite the booms of the explosions that I was expecting to rattle through the floor. <laughs> there was a satisfying ploop when some guy <laughs> fell in mud. There was a satisfying ploop in the mud. That is- there was. <laughs> that stood out crystal clear <laughs> amongst everything else. Uh, we couldn't help it. So there was that. It's amazing to me for the movie, this epic movie, there wasn't, we can't talk about side characters. There really aren't any. No, you not know, really. It, There's in, a couple, but not, there, yeah. You know, okay, Bradley, Montgomery, Steiger, and the second aide. Yeah, the guy who name was I his think aide. we heard once. Yeah. Um, who was as good a yes man as any. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, Bradley was probably, General Bradley was probably the most fleshed out character other than Patton. Well, and they took uh, inspiration for the script from Omar Bradley's book Mm -hmm. about the whole thing. So you get into that and it's, I mean, when I I was saying it would make a good one-man play, I think that's accurate where you could, because anyone else's, what anyone else was saying, Patton never gives a sense that he's really listening. Everything that they're saying, he hears the first three words and then he's already mounting a defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or an attack, as is evidenced in the early part of the movie. Yeah. Always attack, always on the offensive. And boy, is he offensive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even his apology. It, it, it used When the, did it, he apologize? Okay. When he was going to, was supposed to apologize, he did use the word apology. It was the quietest word in the entire speech. It was yes. also the last one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is one of those that it's an important movie. It's a well-made movie. It's not a watch on repeat movie for me no no um if you are a film buff Mm -hmm. watch it once it's a very well-made movie very well-made movie yeah um if you're a history buff it is mostly historically accurate there are some liberties taken as most biopics do Mm -hmm. but you know, it kind of follows the general timeline, not the general's timeline, but the general timeline of World War II. And so it's worth a view there. For your casual moviegoer on a Saturday night, it's probably not going to be for them. Mm. Well, and the problem with it is you can't leave and come back and know what's going on. That's true. Yeah. yeah we, we've had a lot of these kind of movies where you can leave and come back and be like, Oh, okay. I'm caught up again. This yeah. is not a laundry movie. This, this is not a laundry movie. Exactly. This this isn't a see. Ki- I listen. This <laughs> this isn't a Kindle movie. <laughs> like you can't sit on the couch and read a book uh-huh. and look up when there's noise and expect that you're going to follow along. Yeah. You've got to follow the movie. Yes. Um, a lot of the good biopics are like that. You know where you got to. Oh yeah. Come, 
and even some of the good war movies are like that, where you, um, The Longest Day is a good example of that, where there's so many moving pieces that if you don't pay attention, right. the whole thing's just a mess. I probably won't be recommending that for the podcast, but if you ever get a chance, <laughs> The Longest Day is a really good... Okay. It's basically an hour-by-hour account of D-Day. Oh, okay. Mm, yeah. So, worth wor- a watch. Huge international cast, you know, but challenging. Okay. I will say that the score was really good. The score was so good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith Gold was the composer. Smith. Yeah. yeah. Goldsmith nailed that. I thought for sure it was a different person. That's all right. <laughs> um, I don't know what to say about it. It's a hard movie to It's It's really, a hard movie to nail down. Yeah. I mean, like, and my summary is not doing it a lot of justice well, because trying to fit it all in. It's well, yeah, such a, a short format. On, yeah. But, you know, I agree with I agree with both of you in that it is. I can see why the movie garnered critical acclaim. I can see why uh, so many people think of it as uh, an important piece of cinema. Mm-hmm. Is it something that I will ever want to rewatch? No. No, but I get it, mm-hmm. if that made sense. Yeah, and I mean, there are plenty of other movies that I don't regret watching. I just don't want to see it again. This probably falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not the kind of movie that they do for Thanksgiving marathons. <laughs> no. Weird, though. <laughs> Weird, though, that they do Because don't. they do a lot of those mm-hmm. uh, type movies, but not this one. I mean, you could do this one in its sequel, and you've got a good five, almost six hours. Oh, I can't believe they did a sequel. Five, five hours of content. Five and a half hours. Yeah. Five, ten. Yeah. Five hours of content's a lot of content. Plus, you're adding commercials, you know. So, you got a good... What seven six twenty six twenty yeah six twenty and then you know maybe just like an intro and an outro segment with well, like you, a you still a have fun your, host you still have your intermission yeah yeah your intermission you get Leonard Malton to say a few things about it right and then, you right know, that's not bad mm-hmm. right there Leonard Malton knows his stuff he so does you get to seven hours just like that I mean and then the turkey's done and then the turkey's done it's time to eat it's time to eat yeah so put on pumpkin chunkin afterwards. See, r- really, it should Thanksgiving should be renamed George C. Scott Day. There you go. Followed up with Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, and you've got yourself a night of it. Or you cap it off with his version of A Christmas Carol, Ushering True. In. You finish Thanksgiving, you're allowed to watch that stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're cooking with gas now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So... Not the gas that his troops lost halfway through. <laughs> well, and <laughs> so this is where things get into the talk about the personality rather than the movie. But I mean, it didn't matter to him how many soldiers he lost. No. Because the soldiers were just an extension of what was supposed to be the army or what is more accurate is probably his ego. He seemed to relish in it. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea is like, why wouldn't you, you know... It doesn't matter so long as ultimately we win. Right. I think to this guy, a Pyrrhic victory is still a victory. And he's like, yep, we're good. I'm going to send wave after wave of men. It bothers me that General George Patton might be seen as Zap Brannigan. (laughs) Yeah. Because the the man is a, well. He was was, a brilliant military strategist. He was a brilliant strategist. Yes. And (laughs) I guess when you get down to it, really, the, the enemy he couldn't defeat was his own tongue 
Mm-hmm. True. Um, <laughs> and it's probably worth watching again. Not tonight. Worth watching <laughs> again to to hear more of the things he's saying in the context that he's saying it. Because you're trying that first time watching, we're taking in all of the things, right? Yeah, everything. So I had so there's a point where he's in some British village giving a speech and he talks about how the British and the Americans will be running the world. Never mind that the Russians were also part of the Allied yeah. the Alliance. And I heard it, I thought it, but I didn't process it until his aide said Russians, don't forget the Russians. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And it's like, oh, huh. <laughs> yeah. Eh. That's going to bite him. Stalin's not going to be happy about this, which means that Eisenhower's not going to be happy about this, which means you're probably going to get fired again. But I think that this is probably... Hmm, this is an important movie to watch in terms of film study of a character. Because it's a compressed amount of time, right? It, yeah. It might be, I don't remember when the uh, the Africa, you know, when the Second Corps. I mean, it took over, place over a couple of years doing at least. That. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. a couple of years, but probably, probably at least two years worth of time that we're watching here. I know it practically ended at Battle of the Bulge, which was the last great German offensive. Um, the stuff there about the 101st Airborne, though, was totally true. Yeah. There at, uh, uh, Ber- is it Bergone? Bergots yeah. or something like that. Anyway, yeah. so there was like a three or four paragraph note of surrender that the German commander sent to the, to the Amer to the, to British and Americans is like, hey, you know, the Americans saying, hey, the only way this stops is if you surrender and it'll save your men's lives. If you don't, then it's going to lead to a lot of civilian deaths, which does not play into you know, American humanity. And the guy wrote back nuts, (laughs) (laughs) which was apparently translated as go to hell, which is just, yeah, yeah. That's a very American response. I want that guy's movie. (laughs) (laughs) Cause he has one word of note in all of history. And he chose that word to be nuts. (laughs) So, See it once, especially if you're a history buff. Make sure you're reading other books, too, to get a little bit more complete picture because anything based on a true story, anything considered biopic, is probably not all that true and not all that biographical. It's usually very one-sided. So yeah. go go after that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I got. Yeah. So I guess See. next year we'll watch something different. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll, uh, I guess by next Extra Life, we'll figure out what shenanigans will... Well, by February, we should have the donation page up and running. So if you make a $250 donation to Extra Life through dtpodcast.com, uh, you know, tell tell the three of us, God willing, uh, what we have to watch. <laughs> All right. Uh, I plan on being around. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's a see it once from Chad. See it once from me. See it once. Yeah. All right. Um... I I believe it's your turn. I guess it's my turn to pick. Yeah. (laughs) All right. 